My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Dawn Anderson, Managing Director at Bertie, international technical SEO consultant and speaker. We talk about how she went from owning a construction company to transitioning into web development, digital marketing, and then becoming a self-taught SEO. We talk about what it's like to go through the challenge of initially learning SEO when there are so many gray areas and opinions, how she learned from an information architect, her thoughts on traditional education as it relates to digital marketing preparedness, why she started her own company, and her passion for information retrieval and indexing, which has led her to get her master's in the field of computer science, AI, and machine learning. For our core topic, we discuss Google's BERT and how it incorporates natural language understanding, AI, machine learning, and just what, if anything, you can do to optimize for it. Spoiler, it's not that simple to optimize for. Finally, we answer Twitter questions of the week and award some more Page 2 podcast swag. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Dawn's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Everybody, it is Jacob Stoops, and we are back with episode number 74 of the Page Two podcast. If you don't know me, I'm an SEO director at Search Discovery, uh, and I am joined today by my trusty co host and sidekick, uh, Mr. Jeff Luella, senior technical SEO at the Wirecutter, a division of the New York Times. Hey, howdy, hey, everybody. How's it I going? I missed you, man. I missed you last week. I know. I was too busy uh, with my feet in the sand and a beer in the hand um, in down, the in, sand. down in Florida where coronavirus does not exist anymore. So, Yes, it's been completely eradicated or they just stopped tearing. <laughs> oh, we just, they just stopped watching the news down there, I think. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, cool, it was chaos. I mean, luckily we hit it after, it was our spring break, but it was after the college spring break. So less chaos, more families. So it was a little bit better. You, uh, you, you kind of forced me to to go back to my roots a little bit from uh, pay, or, uh, season one, where it was just I was you know by myself interviewing interviewing people, yeah. uh, and uh, quite honestly, you know we've done almost fifty episodes together. I've gotten used to having you as uh, a co-host, and it felt really really weird to go back to just being kind of by myself doing the uh, doing the interviewing. It was it was weird. Yeah, no, it's I'm I, not I gonna say, lie. If if you weren't here, it, it would be really weird. So it would be really weird. I almost I almost wasn't. I almost wasn't today because of a uh, little preschool uh, pick up and drop off duties. Uh, you know, with my with my kids. Uh, you know, I can't uh, unfortunately, or I, I get fortunately, I can't just tell my daughter, hey. Honey, I can't pick you up from preschool today. You're just going to have to stay there because I've got a very important <laughs> podcast to run. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly. I don't think that's no. going to fly. And uh, for our guest, uh, who we'll bring on in a second, uh, she's been very gracious uh, in terms of uh, being flexible with her time as 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 well. But let's yeah. uh, let's actually that's a good cue. Let's uh, let's go ahead and bring our guest on today. So we are talking to 
none other than Don Anderson, uh, Managing Director at Bertie. Don, how's it going? Very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to come on your podcast. I, I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, not that I don't tend to go on very many of these anymore. So I'm, you dragged me out of my uh, geek hole. All right. <laughs> Yeah, we brought we, you, we brought you out. We do feel honored. Uh, yeah. We've lured we've lured you out with promises of grandeur, uh, grandeur, I should say. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So uh, before we uh, you know before we you know get on the uh, you know the typical the typical track of the episode, of course we've got to go through a few things. So number one, uh, if you haven't noticed, and I'm sure you probably haven't uh we've got a youtube channel we would love for you to rate and subs- uh subscribe or not rate uh subscribe and like the channel like the videos we are a little bit behind i will say with uploading uh probably the the last probably four weeks of uh episodes since uh, yeah. daniel chung's episode we're just a little bit behind we will get those uploaded i know you all want to see our beautiful faces uh so please <laughs> go over to our channel and uh and subscribe uh just another good way to listen uh if you like having youtube on in the background uh as opposed to listening to just the audio version it's another way to um to listen uh the other thing i would say is of course uh earlier this season if you've been a listener you'll know that we interviewed hamlet batista sadly hamlet uh has passed away uh he was an amazing an amazing person we are so lucky that we were able to talk with him and kind of the, you know, the circumstances uh, of his passing were really, really unfortunate. And we've just been doing our best to try to promote uh, his company, which is Rank Sense. Uh, so his his company, obviously, there are still uh, a lot of people that have been, you know, working there uh, and, you know, wanting to make sure that the, the company remains viable and can see his vision through uh, and take rank sense uh, kind of into uh, into the next uh, phase of uh, of their growth. But if you haven't heard of rank sense, let me just give you a quick breakdown of what it is. So, if you've been an SEO for any length of time, especially on the agency side, you're going to know that probably the biggest problem is implementation. Uh, and it was really cool to be on some of the some of the demos uh, with Hamlet himself uh, and just go through their tool because as I'm describing all of my problems that I have on the agency side with frustrations uh, of getting even sometimes the smallest changes implemented, he said that's that's what we do. That's that's our business. That's what we do in a nutshell. Uh, their their goal is to solve your implementation problems, and the way that they do it is really amazing. It is uh, it is uh, something that's a little bit more advanced, but it's called Edge Edge SEO. So they work with Cloudflare. I believe that they're also working uh, to develop a relationship with Akamai CDNs uh, that have servers all over the world. And what they're doing is they're using their technology to bolt kind of on top of your website and allow you to make changes to your website without having to get developers involved, right? Which can be a big problem because developers have huge roadmaps, lots of things that they're working on. And it's sometimes it's really tough to fit those SEO things into the developer roadmap or to justify 
because SEO and the impact can sometimes be a little bit of gray area to justify them displacing their time working on something else to fit in your SEO thing. Well, the, the great thing about RankSense is that when you uh, install their tool on your website, you can make changes to anything on your page. So things like page title, meta description, canonicals, you can inject content, you can inject schema, pretty much. I, I don't know where the limits end, but there's a lot of things that you can do with updating your page. And it's as simple as, uh, this is what I find most fantastic about it. It's as simple as updating a Google sheet. So like who, who even thought of that? Like, that's amazing. So you can literally <laughs> just go plug in a, a, a line of text in your Google sheet and then your page title gets updated or your meta description gets updated. And it's that simple and it gets updated out on the cloud. And the even better thing that they do is they're collecting data about traffic coming into your website uh, and they're uh, using using some of their de- internal data visualizations uh, and you know the, and their their tooling to show you the impact of the changes that you've made. So you make a change over here, and it shows you, hey, you're getting X amount of incremental traffic coming through uh, to your website as a result of this change that you made. And then you, the SEO, can take that back to your developers and say, see this thing worked uh this is going to drive x amount of value can you now like commit it to the regular regular code so yeah it's a great way to run tests and and it's an excellent way to run tests yeah and get things pushed through yeah cool so if you want to familiarize yourself they do much more than that uh simply go to ranksense.com uh and then the other the other organization that we've been uh, that we've been talking about a lot uh, this season has been United Search, right? So we, um, you know, when it comes to enabling diver- a diverse set of voices within the industry, I think our industry for a long time has been behind. Uh, and our goal uh, with this podcast, it's been something that when we started the podcast, it's been very near and dear to our hearts. It's been something that we had not really spoken up too much about, but you can see it in the diversity of our guests and the kind of balance uh, of the guests that we bring on. We want to have multiple perspectives and we want to hear from uh, all sorts of walks of life when it comes to what it's like to be an an SEO. Uh, And when it comes to the speaking circuit, uh, when you're looking at speaker lineups, it hasn't always been that way. Uh, So uh, United Search, their mission is to figure out how we can uh, increase the diversity uh, of public speaking lineups, get people uh, from underrepresented backgrounds, the training and the mentorship that they need so that they can go and start speaking at some of these bigger conferences so that these conferences can can have better representation of the different voices within our industry, right? So, uh, you know, we've said a lot about it this this season. I'm not going to belabor the point, but if you want to learn more, you can go to unitedsearch.org and then on Twitter, it's search underscore united. Excellent. So, Don, you are now on the hot seat. The hot seat. So, I feel um, like we need sound effects. Like, yeah, maybe I can edit that. Maybe I haven't thought to edit a sound effect in, but maybe we can. Maybe we can do that. Uh, but yeah, so I guess uh, take us back to uh, to the beginning. Um, you know, tell us your story. Where did you come from? Who are you? Uh, and then how did you eventually get into the SEO industry? Yeah, so, um, well, you're going back nearly 14 years now. 
Um, so which I know that there are people who've been in SEO for forever. But um, but yeah, so about 14 years ago, I was in a completely different industry or prior to 14 years ago. And for totally different actually. So for over a decade, I had owned a construction company, building company. <laughs> so totally different. Um, yeah. And uh, I had quite a lot of trades people that worked for me and quite a lot of vans and not staff in the office and, you know, that, that kind of thing. And obviously uh, I'd had some real nightmares getting websites built for the business by various developers. Uh, yeah, they were, they were really pretty dire back then. Um, so I started tinkering around with things myself and got really interested in the internet, if you like. Um, and then I started trying to market the website myself and watching lots of SEO things, reading books, had a few experiences with so-called SEO agencies at the time and <laughs> didn't have any very good results. So again, trying to learn myself, tinkering, etc. And I really started to enjoy it and I started to see some results. And so I actually found then, I mean, I went through a pretty horrific time just trying to like get off the ground because it's like anything, it's it's a bit frustrating when you don't know something at all. Um, and you're scrambling around looking for information all over the place. And obviously we know that in SEO, there's quite a lot of the cul-de-sacs you can go down when you're trying to learn things and there's, lots of different opinions and some are you know some are great and some are not that great and you can end up taking really bad paths and you so, and sometimes you don't know what's great and, and not great at that time right? no so. you don't because it's not like it's not like maths where there's you know this is the answer and this isn't the answer or yeah. science or something like that which is very black and white in terms of the truth to a large extent um, I mean, SEO is very much, it depends. So, um, so I was hearing all these voices in terms of different opinions, etc. So very much trial and error. And um, thankfully I came across a information architect who was, he just started working for himself as a consultant. And I think he was kind of just filling in his time between contracts, really working on massive websites. And I came across him just, I think, because he was just filling up his diary. And he, he he offered to help me, to educate me, if you like, in information architecture more than SEO. And, you know, how different parts of a website have different importance levels. And to a large extent, that it was almost teaching me the very essentials of computer science, very, very essentials of it. And... Um, so I started to implement a lot of the things that he was telling me and I found that they started to work. He talked to me about the architecture of a site and so on and so forth. Um, and then he started, as he, he was telling me, right, which direction should I go in? I asked in terms of building this website. And he said, well, learn JavaScript, learn HTML, learn CSS, go to W3 skills. And literally that's all you really need to get yourself off the ground. So and thankfully, I was so pleased that I that I met him. I, you know, and he kind of given me the t his, the time, his time, if you like, because he 
charged me very, very little and really was more of an educator I kept in touch with for many years. And obviously then he went off working on huge websites again as a as an information architect, an enterprise architect, if you like. So the, I really, I still had the building company at this stage, but my bo- I hope I'm not boring you here. I'm telling no, you. No, not at all. That's great. I'm telling you a lot of stuff here. So by that stage, um, I found that I was actually really, really enjoying the SEO and working on websites and I was starting to learn PHP then and various other things, but it was all very, very spare time. But then I found that at the same time, the the credit crunch, you know, remember the 2009 when the every market crashed, etc. And to be honest, the building industry just had hit a massive brick wall. So I had to really start to think about changing direction. So. You know, even though these things are awful at the time, you just think, well, things tend to sometimes work for the good because I was forced to think, rethink my career. And I, I'd been really enjoying the SEO side of things anyway. So I started to think, well, actually, I'm going to go. And I actually went and started working for an agency in, in, um, in the UK. So, and that was really how I was really fully then getting into SEO. And then eventually I kind of started to work as a consultant. And then in 2012, again, things were changing in SEO. And I thought, right, well, even though I felt by then I started to learn quite a lot of stuff, that was 2005 years I've been in SEO. I thought, right, well, I want to learn more about the whole digital marketing side a bit more, the wider, how everything fits together. So I started taking courses. I took um, the Google Square and then I took a postgrad in digital marketing. And then I went on and took a master's in digital marketing at the university. At the same time, I was still consulting, etc. cetera. Uh, and that's, I've had the consulting business since 2012. And that's still here, that's Bertie. Um, and then, yeah, and then I started still throughout consulting. And then I started lecturing on search and analytics at the university as well. And I still do that from time to time as an associate lecturer. And then I got interested in the actual really deep side of search, the information retrieval side of it, you know, like how the search engines work, the web search side of it, really like. Where the magic happens. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) under the hood more and more and more, really. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really more and more intrigued by that side of things. But in conjunction with the marketing side of things, because obviously you have to have both. But um, yeah, so I'm really deep into that more and more now. Um, And recently I started taking a second master's in uh, computer science, machine learning and natural language and artificial intelligence, just because (laughs) I've watched so many videos on uh, on, uh, information retrieval and I've got loads of books and I read a lot of papers but some of the terminology is like, well, I really need to learn a lot of this stuff. So now I'm learning about things like data structures and algorithms and the running time of an algorithm and big O notation and Huffman coding trees. And it's really hard, actually, really. I was quite <laughs> shocked at how, how challenging it is, you know? So, yeah, For, so that's like, a long story. You went from building like houses to building the matrix. 
So it's there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really. I mean, yeah, I'm doing. I'm, I mean, people say to me sometimes, well, why, why are you doing it? I was like, well, actually, I don't plan on not being a search consultant, but I just want to just. I just want to learn more and more and more about this, these new directions that search is going in so I can bring that to some of the strategies and, you know, just have as much forward vision as possible. And obviously we see now with a lot of the natural language, the births and so forth, it's kind of where it's all headed. So for me to be able to read papers fully, I need to be able to understand them fully. So it's just adding more pieces of the jigsaw, I feel like. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. And not to bury the lead, but our, our core topic of the day, we are going to talk about uh, uh, Google's BERT uh, and natural language processing. So uh, if you want, not that we want to skip over Dawn's story, but if you want to fast forward to that, we're going to be talking about that uh, here here pretty soon. And we're going to dig into into that. But before we get there, I think what's what's really interesting is we've noticed uh, a couple of trends uh, along the way. Uh, number one, um, there are a lot of SEOs, uh, Jeff and myself included, that started uh, as self-taught, uh, yeah. and you know it's 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 really really interesting. In it's, I hate to say it like this, but like being self-taught, you can't teach it uh it's just that you can't teach the level of curiosity uh and you know it's something that when i you know when i run up against uh people or when i meet people that are kind of newer to the space um it's easy to separate who i think is going to be um an overachiever versus who is not by their level of curiosity uh to want to go out and learn uh learn new things so um, that was for me the you know the basis for starting my career. Uh, the other the other thing uh, that is very very clear as we've talked to mo- more people is that the SEO industry has uh, the economic crisis that happened in in you know two thousand eight two thousand nine. Uh, it you know it has that to both thank and blame for you know many many people who were in different places. And it's really common in the SEO industry to come from a completely different place and get into That's SEO awesome. by accident, right? It's it's it, SEOs get into SEO by accident, but it, it is such a common trend that it's almost like it's not <laughs> not yeah. an accident in a way. But I think that the you know that the the financial crisis and the economic uh, slowdown and collapse uh, that happened was kind of the great uh turning point in a lot of people's careers where they just had to like reassess and reevaluate like do i want to stick in this place where you know where where times are bad and maybe not getting better uh and you know looking at new potential horizons with search especially at that time um being a new relatively new um career option so Yeah, a lot of people at that time, SEO careers were were spawned uh, out of that crisis. Well, I think when I compare this profession with the previous industry, I never got, I never used, I used to get out of bed and think, oh my God, it's just going to be so much stress. And imagine all these, it, it was very stressful, very stressful. Every morning I was constantly, oh, what's going to go wrong today type thing. 
uh, so many people, employing people, loads of people, and uh, just yeah. constantly people just with challenge. I mean, I don't have an issue dealing with challenges, but it was just constant, 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 constant. And um, I, I wasn't excited when I got up in the morning to think about what what I was go- what I was going to learn that was new today. You know what? Because when when you learn things as part of your job, I get quite a buzz out of that. It's amazing. You know, never bored. Never there's never been a boring yeah. day in my life of being an SEO. Um, it's super exciting constantly, and there's. The sky really is the limit. I mean, it changes, obviously. Directions change and, you know, the focus is very much now is moving towards, for me, a lot of AI and a lot of people getting into Python and quite a lot of technical aspects, much more technical emerging, if you like. But that excites me and it challenges me and it makes me think, you know, I want to get up and do this every day. But I agree with you on your point. I think you have to have that enthusiasm to really, you know, just to, to to make it in SEO because I think a lot of people do do come into it and then they don't have necessarily that excitement for it. Um, and I, I think yeah. those stand out, those people. And I think something I've realized over time is that for, <clears throat> and this is true in any profession, um, there are people that, it's just a job uh, and they're just there to punch a clock. And then there are people where it's truly, uh, truly a passion, right? Like they, if they, if they weren't doing it as a job, they'd be doing it as on the side as the hobby. And I, I think that it's really, really challenging to teach somebody to have a passion. Uh, and it's a lot easier to work with somebody uh, you know, when they have a, you know, when they have the passion and all you need to do is point them in the right direction and get out of the way um, versus somebody where it's, you have to really push them to go out and find, uh, find information and, and want to take their knowledge into their own hands. Yeah. Um, I, think some of, I think some of the best SEOs are like, they're just passionate people in general. Um, right, and yeah. SEO just filled one of those passions. Right. So I was, yeah. I, I, I was, do, I actually was doing construction before I did SEO a little bit. And uh, you, look I was like a, you look like a construction guy, Jeff. Yeah. You know, I, I still build things all the time. Right. So, but it you just do. happens to be like drones and, you know, so, stuff like that. So, so then you see, so then you know exactly what I mean by what's going to go wrong today. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. So I used to do roofing and, and put uh, I, I actually was in communications. I worked uh, before digital cable was out. We, we were in an, an, analog version but it was off air so we put up microwave antennas and i you know was climbing on roofs and putting up antennas and patching roofs and 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 fun things like that and i I really had this passion that i wanted to be a dj (laughs) and uh you know so i was djing and i was like well how am i gonna get my name out there and there's this thing called the internet and i started like building Mm -hmm. my dj website and next thing i know I am a, you know, an SEO and it's just like kind of built off of passion on passion and the beautiful thing. I think going that way and learning it yourself is I, I, sometimes I feel I don't know anything, but then someone will ask me a question and it's like, just pops out and I'm like, I I don't know how I knew that. I might've read that and I might've done that, (laughs) but it's, I feel like doing it, you, you get a lot more, um, it just sticks back there in the back of your brain a lot more when you, when you've actually built it. So sometimes you know more than you think. Exactly. SEO by necessity. Is uh, when you yeah. know, I started through necessity. Through yep. well, I need Me to too. do this. 
you know, I need to get, you know, this website somewhere. You <laughs> like, so yeah. And it sounds like you had that as well. SEO by necessity. Yeah. So and it, and it, it, was, it was necessity. It was curiosity. And, and actually back then there was like, there Oh, it was, it was so such a wild west too. Like when, when I started, you know, it was like 20 something years ago and it was really, uh, it was, it was by I mean the wild west was like, there were like, I mean, real audio was your real audio players, how you, you know, stream things. And, you know, there was used table coding <laughs> and everything was like the worst things you can do right now, but it was amazing well, back then. Flash. Well, I was a flash developer for a while. It's... Well, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, probably not long-lived. No, but you know what? It was funny that I was on a team uh, when I, I worked at Razorfish that helped build something called Sofa, which was search-optimized Flash architecture. And it really, it was show Google HTML, show your customers Flash. You know, so it was like kind of that first uh, way of showing two different things. But it was it was it was a fun time uh, to do things. And it, I wasn't the brains behind that project. I just got to you know make the SEO part of that. So it was great. Mm, yeah. So speaking of brains, um, you know, you've, you've done a lot uh, in the way of kind of a, a formal education. You're going back for your master's. One of the other common themes that we've run across on this podcast has been um, outside of people coming from other places, the people that intend to get into, into marketing, right? And they go to college for, for marketing. In other industries, my experience outside looking in has been that you're way more prepared to be a professional in the industry when you get out of college, right? And I use the dentist analogy, right? So when you go to school to be a dentist, you come out and you're a dentist, you're a dentist, you're an expert. Uh, when you go to school to be a digital marketer, you come out and the, the experience that I've seen now, I, I didn't go to school. I skipped it and I got into my career by luck, you know, and I was already deep into my career before I went back. So this is a different experience uh, that I have. But from what I've seen outside looking in is the people coming out of college um, are in no way prepared to operate at the capacity that you need to be able to operate um, from an experience standpoint when they get out and when they're kind of, you know, day one. Um, I don't know, like what is, you know, what is your experience Ben, uh, you know, you've you've done a lot in the way of schooling. You know, have you felt like the traditional educational experience is a good fit for digital marketers and SEOs as it's constructed now? Or do you feel like there should be some adjustments? Well, I think, I think, as you say, it's very difficult to teach somebody passion. Yeah. And I think that passion for the SEO and the internet and etc. is is an absolute not a 100% necessity. So I think if somebody is passionate about the internet, you know, I'd rather take somebody who's like a bedroom coder and try and teach them SEO than somebody who's just not interested at all, but who has master, master formal qualifications. But at the same time, I do believe if somebody comes out of university as a graduate with a marketing degree or a journalism degree or something that is uh, vocational in nature, like a, you know, digital marketing, marketing or PR or something that is relevant to our industry, they, they do have a great advantage because 
I've taught those undergraduates and I know the level of, you know, the level of education that they do get is a really great grounding for our space. So they'll be taught things like strategy. They'll be taught things like segmentation. They'll be taught things like CRM, audiences, you know, different channels, that kind of thing. So that I think is a really good fit. Having said that, if somebody has a degree in modern history, I don't think that's wasted. I know a lot of people say, oh, I never used my degree. That's not true because A, you've learned to commit to a program of something, stick with deadlines, complete pieces of work, you know, and doing any dissertation, whether it's your undergraduate, your master's or you know, I've never done a PhD and I don't, to be honest, I don't fancy doing one because <laughs> I'd rather do two masters than six years on, on a PhD. Yeah. I'll you. Uh, but the point is, I think there's a lot of things that college, you know, we call, you know, we call them undergraduates, your, your version of college students, that 18 to 21 year old range. I think there's a lot of things they do learn that help them and do give them an advantage just with a mindset, you know, Finishing something, finishing that three years of study, I think is is something to take into any any profession. Um, so yeah, so I do think it's useful, very useful. You know, that's actually a good perspective. So like, obviously, I kind of led the question uh, the other way because I'm I'm certainly biased. Uh, not saying that people shouldn't go to college, uh, more or less that when you go to college for digital marketing, um, I wish people were more advanced when they came out and were, were fresh than they are, or I wish the curriculum was a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, but I do, I do come at it from a biased perspective. And I do think, uh, you know, that I, because I was so bad at college at, at, you know, that kind of college age that, uh, some of those things like committing, uh, and, you know, not procrastinating and getting stuff done and showing up for classes on time that didn't come to me, uh, until a, a much later age. And I do think that that can't be that de- level of dependability can't and shouldn't be overlooked. And I overlook it when I ask that type of question for sure. Well, I, I completely agree with you because, I never took a first degree. I didn't do college at all until I was in my 40s and then just did, I didn't, so I haven't got a first degree. I've got the postgrad and a master's and I'm doing the second master's now. And that is the reason why I really appreciate that formal education now, because I went straight from school at 15 mm-hmm. and working at, you know, 15 years old. So it gives me, I think, you know, I, I really yeah. appreciate, and I, and I think I lacked a lot of that, you know, that ability to really like stick with something. For even though I had the building company for years and years and years, it was more of a necessity that I was staying with that than anything else. Whereas working in SEO is a passion. But I think when you can complete a course of several years, it, it's character building, and I think mm-hmm. that that is missing it was missing in me i believe um so i think yeah there are are, i think i think everybody should have the opportunity and i think not enough people have the opportunity to get that that education you know yeah agreed 
So, also, so, well, some don't take advantage of it. I probably had the opportunity, but you know, I was I was a quite a dark teenager and a bit wild, yeah. and, uh, and it didn't. You know, I didn't care at that time. You didn't add that to your when we were saying, "Hey, tell us how you got an SEO." You didn't tell us about the wild side, you know? Yeah, I was a bit. <laughs> yeah, in my late teens and early twenties, I was a bit of a wild child. Yeah, yeah. so same here. Yeah, I like yeah, you know. Yeah when I've told my story, like I glossed over it, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I partied my way out of, out of college. And there were, there was a lot going into, into that. Uh, and it took me a long time to really appreciate what I had because of my, because of my own faults missed out on. Uh, and, and eventually I went back and I do have a greater appreciation. And quite honestly, I look back on it now and I realize had I not been such a screw up, I wouldn't be where I'm at now with a great job and a because it took that. It took me screwing up and messing up to get to a place where I eventually found SEO. The misfits so. of SEO. You know, every, right. everything for a reason. Every, I'm a great yeah. believer that everything is like part of the path that we, we're going to take. And yeah, I don't regret anything that I've learned along the way. And, you know, that's all. So, so what made you decide to found your own company, uh, Bertie? Yeah. So I just, I just, I decided I was working for, for agencies and I just decided that I wanted to work on my own projects, uh, my own websites and, um, for, for my own clients, if you like, just for myself, if you like my, some of my affiliate stuff as well. So, um, yeah, so that was it. So I, I started, and that was back in 2012. And funnily enough, it was called, I called called the business Move It Marketing then. Uh, and because <laughs> the reason I called it that was that I'd worked at agencies and no disrespect to agencies, but I'd spent a lot of time being in meetings for the sake of being in meetings and having a lot, lot of conversations about things that were so small, but they took a long time to for people to decide between so many people. So I just used to sit there thinking, oh my God, just move it, move it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then I decided to go on business, move it marketing. But then several years later, I was like, God, I'm so sick of spelling this name out when I speak to people. So, and I had, and I just got my Pomeranian Bert. So I thought, right, I'm going to name the business Bertie. And then, ironically, literally a complete coincidence, a year later, Google launched Google Birds. I mean, obviously, it was an academic paper. Yeah. So, so you know, they didn't do it after my dog, for sure. But uh, <laughs> but it was just pure coincidence that my business was called Bertie after my dog. And, uh, and also, I'd read somewhere that actually a business should have really ideally something that was remem- memorable, quick and easy, blah, blah, blah. So I just thought, right, I like the idea of having one name, a single name. And I looked on Company's House in the UK, because obviously it's a, we needed to register the business as a, as a company, as, a, as a, an entity, if you like. I looked on uh, domain registrars, you know, domain names. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Bertie is, is available. Um, so yeah, so I thought, right, I'm having it. And, um, but yeah, so it was just coincidence. That was all. Yeah. Nice. I, I, 
it's funny because I always thought you named your dog in the business after the algorithm. No. So no, it was no, before. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> You're a visionary. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those coincidences. Occasionally in life, I think you get yeah. something that's, you know, just oh. is aligned. Yeah. I, I own too many domain names because I'll think of a name. Oh. I'm like, oh, this would be great for a company name. And I it's only six name, letters, yeah. you know? Yeah. I stopped doing that now. Do you know what? Seriously, just this morning, one, two, three, red renewed something on me, and I stopped actually trying to stop them. I just think I know that if I if I cancel it, I'm going to regret it. So, so yeah. I have been like I have so many domain names. So, yeah, we all have them. We all have them. <laughs> I think it's Dean. Do you know Dean? Dean Crudis. Dean. He, yeah. He's the. Uh, I think he was going to build a website for Domainaholics. <laughs> Domainaholics <That's> Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hi, my name is Jake, and I bought 10 domains this morning. Yeah, <laughs> people tend to buy them when they've had a drink, so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like on, online shopping for SEOs. I wish it showed me the time at night that I bought domains because it has to be average after 2 a.m. Because when it's yeah. just like, I'm going to get this and then go to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you forget you've got it. Exactly. Until the year later when you get the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it just slides past you, that renewal. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Internship with uh, uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, but you guys just reminded yeah. me. I just so happened to watch it maybe a couple of nights ago. It's actually a really good movie uh, about you know two kind of old sales guys uh, getting an internship at Google uh, and kind of going back to, to square one and then working with a bunch of genius kids. Well, it just so happens that like in the middle of the movie they took uh took the uh, the kids all out for kind of a night on the town and they're uh in san francisco uh they i, I don't know how, you know they just went to san francisco they're by the golden gate bridge and they're all like you know recovering the next morning they're they're watching the sun come up and uh the one kid uh he met a girl he's really 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 too drunk to be sending any texts and he wants to send her an inappropriate text uh and they're like no 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 that's a horrible idea don't send that text uh and they were at the time in this competition at google to win jobs and one of the competition the the points of the competition was to build an app and that's how they got their idea for the app uh an app that stopped that, that makes you have to solve a math problem before you can send a text so well, maybe there needs idea. to be that for buying domains an app that makes yeah. you solve some really complicated right. problem before you can buy a domain after like midnight it's funny that used to be a setting in gmail there was like a gmail app for that that i had set and it always annoyed me because it would be in the middle of the day and i'd go to send an email and it would be like you got to solve this problem first. So you, you set the hours <laughs> and they weren't even that hard. It was, you know, like 84 minus 23. And I'm just like, I, I, I can't think right now. I just want to send this email. <laughs> so I disabled it. <laughs> yeah. so, so before we move into our BERT uh, and NLP uh, conversation, Donna, you know, you've done a fair bit of public speaking. Um, you know, what has been your experience, uh, you know, becoming, uh, you know, 
starting your career and then getting to a place where you feel like you're knowledgeable enough enough you you you're also uh, uh a teacher uh teacher's probably a bad uh a bad way of saying it but you're uh, a lecturer uh for uh the Manchester Metropolitan University right so you're used to being up in front of people teaching um how did you gain gain that sort of confidence and what advice would you give for other people that are looking yeah. to get into into that. Okay, so well, one thing I would say is that nobody's ever 100% confident when they get out there and speak yeah, at all. So it's like it, it does get a bit easier, but then you can still have a bad a bad gig. You know what I mean? It's like when you feel like you're a bit about square one. And um, in a way, it becomes more challenging so i'm just telling you all the downsides yeah i'm not trying to put people off yeah because it's very rewarding in many ways as well but what i would say is that speaking in public is not necessarily it's it's not called gold tinged that's the point yeah so there is downsides to everything it's an honor it's a privilege and it's really been nice to be asked and um, it can be quite stressful i'll give you that yeah but at the same time, um, you know, you can almost feel like the more you go on with it, the more under pressure you are to produce something better than the last time, better than the last time. And, you know, I think the SEO community can be both really encouraging, but also quite a tough crowd. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, I've seen feedback where people have said about somebody who's spoken at a conference oh I've seen all that before and I, and I think there is a little bit too much of that sometimes where people who aren't necessarily getting up there speaking are a bit too critical of those that have spent a lot of time and put a lot of effort into preparing a deck which maybe not everybody knows if you like we, we eat our own young <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's well, I don't think it's quite as bad. I mean, I think things like United Search and um, the the stuff that a reach is doing as mm -hmm. well. Um, I, th I think that the whole like a little bit of toxicity is starting to go in a new direction, a positive direction, and I think yeah. that there's definitely a need for that because you're always going to get young, new people, just new people coming through into our industry. And we've just said it's really hard learning something that you just don't know and which there are no black and white rules for. So what I would say is that it's not easy being a speaker. Don't think it is. But at the same time, it does get easier. But then you are only as good as your last talk. <laughs> Something like being a footballer. Yeah. yeah. You're only as good as your last talk because that's what people tend to remember. Uh, sometimes you can put a huge amount of effort into a deck and nobody really sees it, you know. So I've put like a week or two weeks into a deck and then depending on the time that you share the deck of day or, you know, if it's a Friday evening, five o'clock in the UK, you're not going to get as much visibility on it. Yeah. So be prepared to like think of ways in which you can get the maximum return on investment because it is an investment of your time um so i think if you're going to speak about it's something think about whether it's worth the effort you know because i think it's really easy to just say yes 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 and then 
you have to balance up whether it's worth your time and effort to do it, if you like. Um, so, yeah. So I would say consider everything that you get offered. Um, try and come up with something different. Try and come up with a unique perspective. Go off, dig into papers, research something that nobody else is talking about. I think that tended to be the things that I got asked to speak about, things that not necessarily other people were digging into. Um, just try and bring a new perspective to the table. Yeah. And, and then, of course, this uh, this podcast is all about the the day to day grind, what it's like to be an SEO, and it's it's funny. I was on Morty Oberstein's SEO Rant podcast, and he caught me on a particularly not great day in my in my SEO career, where you know you know we go through this, where we're you know you're working with clients, and you know you're by proxy working with sometimes IT teams that you don't actually get to meet, and of course they. Um, they're difficult uh and he caught me on a on a rant on a day where i had uh you know just received uh the 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 message from a client's it team that basically said like they're just in it for the money uh of course they're just gonna they're gonna skew their recommendations so that you keep them around and it was like it just set me Set, set me off uh, in a in a bad way because I'm you know I'm legitimately just trying to help a client not lose yeah, not, not lose money um, and they're you know they've they've got a lot of opportunities and I'm just worried that they might be headed down that that path and I'm just literally trying to do anything I can to to stop it so I would ask you um, you know what have been some of your more challenging experiences uh, just being an SEO. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly what you've just said, because, you know, sometimes you will get pushback. And uh, I've come to the realization that what you do is, is what I do now anyway. I make sure I gather as much evidence before I make the recommendation. So if I, and I send the evidence as well. So if I then get a pushback, it's not me that they are disputing. It's things that have been reported uh, on videos from Google or in information retrieval papers or they are known fact about web search or so I just I make sure that they can't come back and help <laughs> me with anything really you know uh, but yeah exactly that it's really frustrating isn't it it's like that, oh my that, god <laughs> that, that is a challenge and I think I think again that's a good area that actually it's great that Martin Splits is now part of the Google Webmaster team because he brings that more of a developer perspective to things and yeah. tries to bridge some gaps there. Um, one of the biggest challenges I had was I spoke at Brighton SEO way back in 2013, 14, I think it was, yeah. And I had a talk and it just was... It was a bit of a disaster. It went, it went really not great. Might be a bit later. Uh, so it put me off speaking for quite a few years, actually. And funnily enough, I was talking about uh, ontology, web ontology, and uh, and what had happened is um, it was really fairly technical. It was about very much about semantics, etc. And um, and what happened is the room next door was a very much a content uh, room. 
but that was full. So everybody from the content room ended up coming into my <laughs> talk about ontology and whatnot. And uh, so it didn't go down that well. It went down like a lead balloon. Uh, so that was quite a disaster. I think that was probably my biggest ever upset in SEO. And it put me off speaking for about two or three years because it was just really upsetting. I was really upset. So that was my biggest challenge, I think. I should probably yeah. have said that on the last last, uh, <laughs> last question. <laughs> and I yeah. should have said, look, don't let it put you off if you yeah. everybody's going to have a bad day. So no, in, terms of, in terms of the biggest actual challenge in SEO is when I've had websites which uh, just end up over-indexing gazillions of millions of pages and, uh, yeah. you know, the client seems to think that it's going to get fixed overnight. But once you start to flood the search results with really, like, thin, poor-quality pages, sometimes that can take, you know, a year to fix. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's quite... And obviously, you're having to, like, manage the expectations of that client while you fix something which is not a two-minute job, you know? Yeah. I, think, I think that can be the challenge sometimes, like, saying, look... SEO, unless you're going to do something that probably is, unless you're like massively high authority in the first place, so everything you do has almost like an immediate impact if, as long as it's technically sound. Um, SEO really is very much about chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And I think that can be a challenge sometimes when you have a client that is has higher you don't manage their expectations that well, yeah. So think, if you manage their expectations right from the start and overperform, then make promises that are not realistic. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I'm uh, now that I work for the New York Times and Wirecutter, that uh, you know, I feel like if I went to a new site and tried to like build something from the ground up, like I'm kind of spoiled by. Having, authority, yeah, yeah, and just if you do something. It's gonna if you do something, it's gonna be you'll see the impact almost yep. immediately. You know, no, I, when I first started, it was funny because we were running a test and someone was like, "Well, how long do you think it'll be?" And I was like, "Probably like a month or a month and a half." We'll understand. And um, my my um, the head of SEO at the time, she was like, "No, you don't understand. This is the New York Times. We'll know in like a week." <laughs> I'm yeah, like, exactly. and literally, we would launch something and within 35 40 minutes it's if it's one of the big page right if we're deep into the site maybe not but um yeah. when we when we affect one of the category pages it's it is almost instant which is ridiculous because, I, of, the, I, because of the importance of that yep that page you know and that that's a really big area you know the yeah. and importance and it's important to a lot of people that web page so. Yeah. <laughs> no, when I, when I look at Botify and just look at the amount of times Google hits our homepage a day, um, yeah. it is more than some of the sites I've optimized in the past, uh, uh, like yeah. in a month. <laughs> so I mean, we're 20,000 times in a day and it's just like, yeah. oh, come on, Google. Like, <laughs> yeah. But they want to know that news. So <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And they need so, it to be like fresh, 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 you know. Yeah. So, has it changed? Obsessed with whether it's changed or not, you know. Yeah. So... so Speaking of the the Google, uh, let's dig in uh, for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, 
to Google BERT and, and natural language processing. And then of course, we actually have uh, five Twitter questions today uh, to answer as well. So let's dig in on Google BERT uh, for a little bit. Yeah, so BERT stands for Bidirectional Encoder Representations from Transformers. And I had to look that up because um, I knew it meant something. <laughs> um, and and um, it's interesting because when Google announced BERT, I really felt that like it, it was over my head to an extent. I mean, it, it still is. I mean, it's not like I, I Don, I know you're in, in school to learn all this too, right? So it's it's a really complex thing that I was just hoping that like it would be simplified and, and I didn't have to really dive that deep into. But as I get more and more into like learning Python and learning a little bit of that, it's, it's like, wow, it's really, and I've never read the full like Burt paper that was out there because um, I don't think I would understand half of it. <laughs> and, and I consider myself a technical SEO. And I think this is more than, this is like, you know, we're, we're, we are entering and I, and I made a joke about the matrix before. And uh, I did want to make a matrix jokes where it's like, you know, Neo was Mr. Anderson. I wanted to be like, Ms. Anderson. <laughs> it's a, that's a Google and Bert there, but it's um, what, what exactly, I know we can't get it in like five minutes, but like what exactly is Bert and like, how does it affect on the SEO industry? Right, well, uh, ultimately, the, the, the really simple way to to kind of explain what BERT does is, say, say I say um, Riverbank, yeah, or Moneybank. It's understanding from the words that surround bank, whether the context of, you know, a page or a paragraph or whatever, or even more so now, bigger pieces than that, potentially. Understanding the context of a given word from the words that are that live with it. You shall know a word by the company it keeps. It's quite a really, quite an old concept going back to like the 50, 1950s, actually. Yeah. But, uh, but, but computer scientists and natural language understanding um, researchers and live, you know, library scientists, if you like, They've never really been able to crack it for uh, computers yeah, because computers can't have never been able to understand context. BERT is the biggest breakthrough for you know many many years because it was able to understand the bank men riverbank by you know water stream grass blah blah etc and financial bank by money, deposit, cash, blah, blah, etc. Yeah. So it's taking that and learning, applying that contextual understanding to larger and larger pieces of, you know, of, a, of an article or whatever. Yeah. And a query, not just in the content, but in the query as well. But the problem is, it's quite new, even though I know I saw somebody asked, what's the next big breakthrough in, um, AI and natural language processing. And obviously I'm still very new to this myself and I'm only learning and having just started this master's in machine learning and AI, I realize how little I do know because yeah. <laughs> it's hard. But um, yeah. but I've lost my track now. Where was I up to? Went off a little bit there. Take me, take me back a bit. Yeah, I mean, just getting into machine learning and, it, and it's hard and like maybe even i'd like to understand how it's being integrated into the algorithm today and used ah that was today. it that was yeah. it 
sorry. That's <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I remember, I went off on one there. I do tend to go off on one. But actually, you triggered my brain to remember, yeah. So, um, somebody asked a question, what's the next big, you know, development in AI and machine learning, etc.? And that is the biggest development for like decades, yeah. So, for me, nothing is as big as that, but, but developments on that, because things move, move slowly, generally speaking. I mean, they are accelerating a lot now and you've got like, you know, the whole GPT-2, GPT-3, you know, article being written by bots and so forth. Yeah, that's huge. And you've got all these different organizations, Bing and Alibaba's just built a massive machine learning model, but they are huge industrial size, billions of parameter type models, et cetera, that your average researcher can't can't really afford to like build. Um, yeah. So so it's kind of, it's, there's not really a massive, a different breakthrough. It's just much of the same, but at bigger and bigger scales, more parameters, bigger this, bigger that, et cetera. But there is one big development that's come through and that is passage ranking yeah because and that's come out of birth you know we've got the whole passage indexing thing with google yeah, yeah? <laughs> and bing as well has been like utilizing that kind of thing for many probably longer than google yeah but that that's born out of the fact that there is on bert there is a limit because it has this thing called quadratic dependency yeah in that so we have a sentence there's eight words long because it has to understand the context of every word in the context of all the other words in the sentence yeah it has to understand you know river in the context of bank on the in the context of every other word in between yeah so it multiplies it it's like squared like four by four eight by eight by eight by eight by eight, by eight, by eight. so it's a massive amount of calculations to understand that word in the context of another seven words yeah yeah so it has this issue and then what happens is it it gets to the point where after five i think it's 512 character 512 characters it becomes too expensive to compute it it blows up if you like yeah right that's for now yeah for now exactly and that's a big thing so there's this there's these two particular researchers. I can't remember the first one's first name, but his surname is Rodriguez and another guy called Jimmy Lynn. And I believe they produced a paper that was about passage ranking. It comes from Burt, if you like, yeah. And ultimately they said, look, there are IR researchers, natural language and machine learning and artificial intelligence researchers. And ultimately, they said, look, Bert has this issue. After 512 characters, it's uh, it becomes too expensive to compute. So the natural thing is to break a piece of content up into passages, paragraphs, yeah. So all of a sudden, a piece of content, which is big, suddenly becomes small because it's all these pieces. And if you look then in something like a lot of IR researchers, natural language researchers, they have these leaderboards and Google have entered these leaderboards as well. One of them is called MS Marco. And it's, a, it's 
It's a leaderboard of question answering data sets that's produced by Bing, Microsoft, yeah? Contributed for machine learning and AI and natural language processing researchers to practice on, to try and improve understanding of language, if you like, for machines. And they all try and beat each other against certain thresholds. So they have an actual section of that now called passage ranking. And the reason that's been born is it's been born largely out of BERT, but there's also two stages to ranking or multiple stages to ranking in search anyway. Full ranking, which is like ranking the the full results of a collection, if you like. Yeah. And uh, passage ranking, which is ranking bits of it, yeah. Because what happens is, there's a, as I said, there's like various stages to ranking anyway. There's like the initial recall of everything that could ever be relevant. So if you have like the word Jeff in a piece of content, and you have like the initial stage, like the recall, everything with the word Jeff, gather it all together. <clears throat> but then the second stage has various other like, well, what's the most relevant from this pile? So this top pile of results will have like machine learning and that will be like the second stage if you like. So ultimately gotcha. passage ranking breaks down that second stage and like cuts it all into bits. Passive, ranking passages is easier than ranking full results, if full that result, makes yeah. sense. So passage ranking is probably to answer that question, the biggest thing since BERT, really. But it includes BERT. Right. It came out of BERT, right? So it's... In a BERT, two things together. Like, yeah. I think passage ranking's been around longer, but then all of a sudden somebody went, hey, well, why don't we use BERT to rank passages? And and I guess as like Moore's Law says, every you know eighteen months we'll get twice as fast and and, and exactly cheaper. That. that will that Bert will become full in effect. So, uh, no, that makes total sense. I, I didn't realize there was that limitation on Bert. So. Yeah, there is. Well, that's only for now because, like you yeah. said, they're finding ways. They're finding ways to move forward beyond that. There's this thing, and I I, I really only know a little bit about it. It's called Deep CT, which seems to be like quite a big development as well that is I can't be sure that Google's using this but um, the inventor is called her surname is Di D-H-A-I and she was a PhD researcher who invented Deep CT and she works for Google now in the Google research team so Deep CT ultimately adds it, it literally replaces um can't remember. I think he replaced TFIDF actually. You know, I know I know that there's this whole like discussion about whether Google uses TFIDF. It is very well known to have been used just generally in, in web search. But in Deep CT, TFIDF is kind of replaced by this Deep CT thing, which ultimately adds context into these par paragraphs and passages. And utilizes this other aspect as well, which dynamically proves the index for the passages that are irrelevant. So there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a big thing, deep CT. That's great. I just typed it in my browser and found a GitHub on it. So it's, yeah. So 
yeah. I, I've got to ask as as an SEO when you know when this first came out, similar to Rank Brain as well. Um, the question from clients tends to be, how do we optimize for this? And as an SEO, like it's like, well, no, that's that's not exactly how this is working. It's not like you've got Rank Brain or Bert optimization yeah. tips coming out of the box. This yeah. this is going to affect you and it isn't going to affect you at the, you know, at the same same yeah. time, or at least that's my my perspective. Yeah, exactly. It's it's on it's on the other side of things. It's on the understanding of queries and content. So it's it's really an improvement to how search engines understand better. Yeah. yeah. So um for instance, you know the passage indexing thing that that came mm-hmm. through so actually that helps you know you see a lot of people who are bloggers for instance they don't know anything about seo or you see a lot of people who create this masterpiece of content and it's just a wall of text no semantic headings to break it up no context whatsoever and it's a long long massive piece of content and that is really hard to rank yeah just overall so actually breaking something like that up into pieces and utilizing perhaps something like BERT means that you, it's like, it's a kind of divide and conquer approach. So what they're doing is they're like, you break the, the problem up into bits. So actually it's not something you can necessarily optimize for. It's just search got better, search got more contextual, you know, so. Makes sense. Yeah. And you're saying Alibaba has like invested a bunch into that is, I know they have like AliExpress, which has like a quadrillion projects or products on it. Um, and, and I'm guessing they're in, integrating. Are they like breaking it apart? Like Amazon has their own, you know, servers and and AWS and all that stuff. Is Alibaba doing that, or are they building it into the site to make like finding products easier? Um, I don't know enough about it. All I know okay. Uh, it will probably be on the commercial side. I think it will mm-hmm. be on the transactional side of things. Yeah, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be an another offering. If mm-hmm. you like, I think it's gotcha. going to be like AWS or IBM Watson or any. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of these huge e-commerce organisations now they have massive IR research teams of their of their own. You know, Amazon. Amazon have an amazing. Uh, research team, amazing actually. Um, the woman that heads up their IR research team, I believe she used to be at one of the search engines. Munia Lalmas as well at Spotify, used to be at Yahoo Labs, and Matt used to be an IR lecturer at Glasgow, Glasgow University. So these are amazing teams and they're really deep into, into the research in uh, into how people search and, you know, how to understand queries and content and music, you know, music information retrieval is a really big area. And obviously Spotify are doing, cause that's a search engine. Yeah. <laughs> I know people don't think of like Netflix and Spotify and, you know, and all of those things as search engines, but anything that has a search box is a search engine, a website right. is a search engine. So the interesting thing, and we've talked about this um, a little bit before, um, passage indexing, uh, fraggles, uh, I believe as Cindy Crum uh, once once coined them. Um, that goes back all the way to season one. But I think within the next 10 years, maybe even five, 
um, when it comes to an information retrieval sort of system and when it comes to being able to index all of the content on the web, I would not be surprised to see podcast uh, and audio content start uh, being pulled into the rankings. So like instead of uh, just just web pages and blogs, I would love to see search engines move into pulling snippets of audio text uh you know from a from an episode uh like this very much like this uh i would you know tend to believe that as uh you know as as we get better at you know translating the you know the words and voice search and those sorts of things and i know voice search was supposed to be like the next big thing too uh but i would have to imagine that they would start to merge all of these systems together so that it's not just html web pages and it's looking at audio uh as well because everybody's got a podcast these days right it is it is uh, a medium that is just blown up in probably the last four to five years and even more recently so i think that's the the next horizon in my opinion well you know um you know you we just you just touch on the whole like the remember years ago when people were saying this is the year of mobile first this is the year of mobile first and every year would pass and be like oh next year then you know (laughs) Conversational search for me will be, I don't think it will ever be like that, but it will be quite near to that because there will always be a place for desktop and, you know, Mm -hmm. actually looking on your mobile without speaking. But more and more people are getting like Google Homes. For me, it's, I've got four in my house and it's rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I, I use it mostly for playing music. I ask it questions. Yeah. Sometimes he tries to tell me a joke without me even asking. Sometimes <laughs> I'm surprised actually she's not just chipped in, but I think we've unplugged her before this. <laughs> meant to like jump in whenever I mention the, the G word, especially when I'm on like client calls. So, um, but uh, but the point is, it's going to get much much better, much much better because there's a lot of work going on in that space. Huge amount of work. It has to be treated differently, and there is this there is this notion of like you have to really understand the user more the, the user of the device really really well. Yeah, and I think that that will go much more and more in the direction of becoming a recommender system, and there will definitely be well, there's a lot of stuff going into the space around what they call clarifying questions. So what's that? Because obviously. A, a voice device is only really going to give, you don't have like the 10 blue links and the query search result diversification so people can just pick you know, from 10. You have like one, maybe two or three choices. But the clarifying questions um, is when you may ask your Google page, yeah, um, what are the, you know, give me, give me the names of three restaurants in X area. They might then come back with a question such as, what cuisine would you like? Would you like French? Would you like English? Would you like Italian? Would you like Indian? So then you've limited down the available results massively just by saying, oh, I'd like French restaurant, please. Uh, yeah. Immediately, you know, you've made it more precise. So that kind of thing tend, will kick in. I believe it'll be very much question and answer question and answer until you know it's like uh you know that game who is it who am i where 
it's just a process of elimination, really. Guess who? Guess who? Yeah. So I think. <laughs> yeah. I think that it won't be all that, but I think that there will be an aspect of. And there's a really great researcher called Mohammed. I can never pronounce his surname. Ajapazani. I will share. I will share his uh, his Twitter profile afterwards or whenever whenever you go live with it because he's amazing. He's an amazing researcher. He's doing a lot of stuff on clarifying questions in conversational search, and he's a researcher at the University of Amsterdam in in com- mobile and conversational search. Yeah. So before we jump into Twitter questions, any closing thoughts on BERT natural language processing? I guess I would ask specifically from the perspective of like, what do SEOs do about it? I think we have to be increased. I think we need to just be increasingly aware that it exists. I think that's half the battle, half the battle. Be aware that these changes are always on the go. Be aware, for instance, that a huge amount of queries are entity-driven now. Be aware that the likes of BERT, natural language understanding, fills in the gaps between, you know, entities and structured data, etc. is a way for all the, the glue, the contextual glue. So build that, build that understanding, if you like, into the strategies that you take, yeah? Utilize things like semantic clues, etc. Be consistent. I think it's really easy for search engines almost to go in the wrong direction if you if you mash up the sections on your site too well, especially when they're big wordy sections. I think being consistent in the way that you compartmentalize a website is is a big thing. You know. Um, I think probably more so now search engines are trying to understand natural language. Um, keep concentrating on things like schema and structured data because that is that little bit more stronger than natural language, you know, if you like. Um, and just keep learning. Just for me, just keep learning all the time as much as you can. That That's... I think it's just really key thing to be be doing. Don't ever think that, you know, you've got a strategy and it works because no, you haven't. You know, yeah. just it's always gonna change. Yeah. Yeah, that's been that's been true in my experience. It's a lot different today than it was uh when I started. So let's dig into to Twitter questions of the week. Uh just a reminder. Uh, if you are the winner, uh, we would love it. It's not required, uh, but we would love it uh, if when you get your swag, you snap a picture and tag us on Twitter. Awesome. All right. So our first question comes from Juan Gonzalez via at SEO Strategia on Twitter. So in addition, or I'm sorry, in your opinion, how big of an impact has BERT had on Google search? Do we know what percentage of queries are currently affected by BERT? Uh, well, if I'm not mistaken, uh, virtually every English query now is impacted by BERT as of last November. Initially it was 10%. I'd have to just, you need to clarify that, but initially it was 10% of English uh, queries and all all of featured snippets where they existed. But then obviously the massive, huge amount of 
internationalization happened with the featured snippets for a start. But I believe every English query is impacted now by BERT as of last November. Yeah. And is that, is, let me clarify, is that English US or English everywhere? I think it might be still English US. Okay. I'd have, you know, Barry Schwartz probably better to clarify that exactly <laughs> than me. He's right on it. But I think it, it's a lot. It's a lot now. And Bing, even more so. Because Bing actually used, used something called Bert like, something Bert like. So they've built something that's based on Bert, if you like, uh, but at scale. Uh, I think it has a massive impact on just search generally. You know, there's a lot more intent detection through contextual understanding on both queries and content. It's not going to always be perfect, but it is self-learning because they use this whole like transfer learning approach is probably where it just feeds forward. All the learnings just keep learning, learning, learning. It's machine learning, you know? So, yeah. So I think it does have an impact and increasingly so big impact. So question number two from Richie Lauridson at Richie Snippets. Love that handle on Twitter. Uh, so my question for Dawn, I remember you tweeting a bit about studying information retrieval in greater detail. Is there a textbook or source you'd recommend for SEOs? Yeah. But what I would say is don't expect to be like, there is a little, there's always going to be some thick, dense reading in these materials. Yeah. yeah. So don't expect it to be, you know, like a really straightforward blog post, yeah? So be prepared to just, even if you have to go through things and not fully gather the concepts at first and then go back over them and go back over them. Modern Information Retrieval by Ricardo Bierzi Yates is the go-to textbook. And I, and I believe it's worth investing some time in reading it, yeah? Uh, but there's also loads of materials. There's like a... Stanford have a published um, textbook, if you like, a published course. Um, there's some brilliant lectures by the University of Freiburg. Um, uh, Hannah Bass, which I'm happy to share. Again, I'll, I'll send you these and you can perhaps publish them on your page when you share the podcast. Uh, they're brilliant. She has like 18 lectures. If you're a visual learner, again, don't stress too much if you can't, you know, you don't understand the huge amount of the math side of it, because I don't, and I'm trying to learn and it's not easy. But the concepts are worth knowing, you know, just in terms of things like, because it impacts every part of search, every part of search, you know, things like priority queues and compression and web caching, this is all part of web search and not necessarily just rankings, just it's about the way that search engines are built. So, yeah, modern information retrieval textbook uh, and the videos I would suggest by Hannah Bast. And there's a great, loads of free stuff as well. NC oriented search by Christian Balog, brilliant as well. Modern mobile information retrieval, mobile search by uh, Fabio Cristani and Mohammed, who I was telling you about. Again, loads and loads of books. So question number three from Jose Luis Hernando, uh, JL Hernando on Twitter. 
so this is actually a two-part question. So beyond BERT, what is the latest big breakthrough or idea that you've come across uh, in informational retrieval research and think will have a big impact on commercial search engines and search in general? And what areas do you think SEOs don't spend enough time talking uh, about or researching about? Okay, so um, I mentioned about the passage ranking, yeah. That's massive. Um, so I've already covered that, really. And I think I think the deep CT thing is starting to be a big, big area. And I think potentially, well, actually, I need to dig into into this more and understand whether it is has the potential to be used commercially because they asked about the commercial question. This whole like notion of being able to boil search results down so that they are they don't have to have as many retrieval stages. That you know I talked about the two stage ranking and mm-hmm. the multi stage ranking. I remember reading the paper by Dai and it said this has the potential to like totally change the face of commercial search so that actually instead of having this right really rubbish relevance recall in the first stages we just make the whole thing better so that has a potential to be massive but there's all sorts of things going on huge amounts of things across many many areas query understanding ranking caching performance crawling you know, they have like huge amounts of conferences actually. And it's only growing. So mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many, like uh like you said earlier, kind of like rabbit holes that you can go down from an SEO perspective and all of them are being pushed forward uh and and advanced upon in some way, shape, or form. It's really hard to keep up. It's the same in that field as well. It's like there's so many things happening. Yeah. First, probably the biggest thing just the whole black box algorithm thing is the biggest, biggest thing for like decades. But yeah, it's more of the same. It's why when somebody describes me as an expert or a guru and my, um, my work colleagues are guilty of that. It, I I cringe a little bit inside (laughs) because I'm like, maybe I know 1% of what's going, what's going on. And I've been doing this for 50, 15 years. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, I feel exactly the same. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. I yeah. really, when you start to learn something new, you realize how little you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so question number four uh, comes from Rev7. This is actually the first time, and this is going to be two questions in a row that we've had a question from an agency. So like, not that I want to disqualify them from winning. Uh, I'm glad that y'all submitted a question, but I don't know who to say. I can't send the entire agency swag, so I don't know exactly who to send it to, but it's awesome uh, that agencies have chipped in with the questions. We're excited. So we can, send them, seven, a banner. We can send them a banner to hang up in their agency. Well, there you go. We could do that. Too bad. Uh, <laughs> Jeff can, Jeff can, uh, can, can print that out with this 3d printer. Yeah. Uh, so at rev seven agency on Twitter, what if anything causes Google to lose significant market share? Uh, well, mm-hmm. I think ultimately not delighting search users. That's it. You know, that's why they are yeah. obsessed with trying to make sure the search results are, you know, as diverse and meet as many informational needs as possible because if people don't find what they want, they, they are eventually going to start going elsewhere. And it's as simple as that. So 
yeah, I mean, there are also the whole like privacy things as well. So I don't know, maybe people will start to think, well, I'm going to go over to whatever DuckDuckGo. So I don't know, maybe privacy, maybe, maybe just not being in enough types of spaces. Maybe people will start using search more and more whilst they're on Facebook or whatever. Many things. And I imagine they'll have many researchers and benchmarkers looking at the changing market and making sure that they are everywhere ubiquitous. My bet, honestly, if I had to answer this very honestly, it would be one of two things. Antitrust lawyers, when they become or are classified as a monopoly and are forced to break up or if Amazon ever decides to turn their attention, because Amazon is kind of the other big behemoth in the world that's just taking everything over. Yeah. But Apple's yeah. making the search I mean, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they have got, but at the same time, Google's trying to go the other way into their space yeah. so yep. with the like, with, you know, uh, shopping feeds becoming organic again and yeah. product images more. So I think, it kind of cuts both ways. I, th- I think Amazon probably would do a great job, but I think I don't. I know for sure that whilst they've got an amazing team, search even for them is not an unsolved problem on their e-commerce side yeah. of things. So it's it's. I think people expect search to be perfect, and it is far from solved. That's what makes it so exciting for not just us as SEOs, but search engines as researchers and organizations and humans are weird, weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Understatement <laughs> of the entire episode. Humans, <laughs> humans are like, what did you mean? But I mean, what did a human mean, mean, mean by just one, one, one word? What do they mean by, you know, dresses? Do they want to buy a dress? Do they want to look at dresses? Yeah. Do they have a particular event in mind or do they presume the search engine knows, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, so humans are hard to work out. <laughs> Google might know more than us. so <laughs> It probably does. Scary. Uh, last last question. Uh, Blue Space Copy at Blue Space Copy on Twitter. At what point does optimization become over-optimization? Is it measurable? Is it even possible? If so, what tools, techniques, and or signs do you use to identify it when it happens? Yeah. For me, 1,000%. I have seen many, many category pages that just will not rank however many, t- however hard the client tries and they are outranked by their product pages, blah, 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 and they just try too hard. So I think if you try too hard, it's like, you know, you'll get a client that may say, oh, I need to put more keywords in that page. No. <laughs> it's like no you don't need to put more keywords in no you know you can go too far and i see i think one of the biggest biggest reasons people don't do well is because they try too hard you know at seo Uh, and the the page just screams seo you know i think seo it can be subtle it can be tasteful and it can be if you do genuinely put the user's informational needs first and foremost at the center of the strategy. What are they looking to do? What's the job they're looking to achieve? And then think, well, I need to express that this this information is on that page for the search engine, yeah? Yeah. 
and I need to probably mention the word once or twice and I need to show that, you know, this is a video page or I need to like make sure they can see the content. I can make sure it's crawlable, etc., And I make sure all the signals point to that. So there's no like dilution or confusion when it comes to probability determination. Yeah. But I think, yes, it's 100% really very easy to over-optimize and just try too hard because nobody likes anybody that tries too hard. Search <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> engines are the same. Yeah. So Don, do you have to pick a winner out of those five questions? Yeah. Which one is the best question? So, uh, so we, I'll just recap. We've got one. Uh, with Bert, we've got Richie with the information retrieval. Uh, we've got Jose with the uh, beyond Bert, kind of what's the biggest breakthrough. We've got Rev7 with Google market share, and we've got Blue Space with over optimization. Big question about where can I go and learn more about information retrieval? Because that for me is the one thing, it's not talked about enough in, in SEO. Yep. It's shied away from a little bit. Uh, I'm no expert. I'm learning. I'm I'm in kindergarten, as you would say, with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't so, intend to be an information retrieval <laughs> researcher. I intend to be just can bring it to my consulting, if you like. Yeah. But, so, uh, but but I want to learn more, and I believe that's the area people should be going in. Yeah. So Richie, Richie snippets. Richie snippets. God, I love that name. That's I wish I would have come up with a better Twitter handle when I had the chance. But Richie Snippets, uh, Richie, we're going to be reaching out to you. Uh, You're going to be able to uh, to pick your swag. You can (laughs) you can have a a t shirt, a coaster, potentially a hoodie, a mask. Uh, Of course, if you want a sticker, you know whatever. We've got a bunch of different merch, so we'll be reaching out to you uh, through Twitter to (laughs) to hook you up. Uh, Jeff, you want to take us home to the end of the episode? So Don, we ask all our guests this one final question and is what words of advice would you give a person just getting into SEO? Uh, Read widely, read widely. Don't ever follow particular, sounds awful this, but don't go down the hero worship of the SEO rock star. I don't mean that awfully, yeah, because... I think it's important to take many views, yeah, many, many views, look across the whole range and look for common themes and then try also bringing, reading a lot of Google research stuff, a lot of the technical SEO section in Google developers. So read widely, think with Google for the marketing, that side of thing. Attend as many webinars as you can, yeah, online. Uh, listen to podcasts like this. Yes. Please listen to podcasts. Yes. And like and subscribe. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> like and subscribe. So Don, uh, that's a great answer. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story and sharing your background. Uh, where can people find you? Mostly on Twitter, to be honest. Uh, although I am on there a bit less than I used to be. But uh, but Donnie Ando on Twitter. I do check it every day every day multiple times uh yes just at donny and on twitter and you can find me obviously you know if you did want to reach out through my bertie.com website uh less so on linkedin uh but you can send me a message there if you need to uh i think it's ms down anderson over there and um that's it really those are the best ways to get hold of me yeah but twitter's probably best yeah 
Awesome. So for everybody out there, uh, as you know, uh, Dawn, this is your Friday night. We really, really appreciate you hanging, uh, hanging on with us over in the UK uh, to, to, uh, yeah. to talk with us and talk a little bit of shop. For everybody else, you know we turn our editing around really quickly, so you've probably got a full week ahead of you. So we'll just say have a good week. We have one episode left in season three. Uh, it's going to be a, a good one. We're talking to Azim Ahmad. Uh, you know him as Azim digital and jeff and i are then going to ride off into the sunset and we're going to enjoy our summer and we'll be back for season four uh but if you've listened this far thank you so much we really really appreciate it uh and uh look out for one more episode this season thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to the page two podcast If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, You can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.